0: Guys, hey, hey, hey. I appreciate you're not booing me anymore, but this is getting a little ridiculous. Okay. Um Hey, why don't why don't we pray and then we'll jump in, all right? Uh dear God, we uh we thank you for this day, God. We thank you for this week. We thank you for all the fun we've been having, for all the things we've been learning. Um God, we thank you for the truth of the gospel. This incredible, powerful, life-changing, eternity-changing truth. we get to discuss tonight. Father, I pray that as we open your word, as we reflect on this truth, God, I pray that it changes hearts, it changes minds. God, I pray that tonight dead souls are made alive because of the power of your grace shown through Christ. So Father, be with us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Hey, so I... I love the skits. You guys love the skits. Are they fun? Yeah. So you guys might not know this. I actually, um, this theme that we're doing this week, Paw and Order. We we ran this theme in the summer in Meadow Ranch. So this part of camp is normally the junior high camp for seventh and eighth graders. And uh, this last summer, they did Pawn Order here in Meadow Ranch. And I was actually, I, I helped our Meadow Ranch camp director kind of plan this theme. And I got, to, I got to be the one to write the skits. So the skits you guys have been seeing are skits that I wrote about a year ago. Um, so all the dumb jokes that you guys don't laugh at that I'm cracking up at the back, um, that's because I wrote them. Anyway. Um, and, uh, and and I, I loved it because I love a good story. Do you guys love good stories? Yeah. I love good stories. I love good storytelling. Um, and uh, because of that, I'm kind of a, a giant nerd, right? So, um, because nerd stuff have, has the best stories. Uh, I love, like, good science fiction, fantasy books and, and movies. Um, I already gave you guys my opinion on, on Star Wars. They, they were, should have been done after three, but, uh, but that's fine. Um, not episode three, episode six, which was the third, whatever. Um, but, but I also, I've always loved comic books. I love comic books. I love superheroes. Um, I, I grew up reading comic books and just loving superheroes and all. I, I grew up on the, the old Justice League cartoon, uh, and by old I mean it was in like the 2000s, and uh, the, the old Batman animated series, the Superman animated series. Uh, I, and I love superheroes because superheroes are relatable characters. Right? If you guys think of, of some of your favorite characters, maybe in books or movies or uh, whatever it is, wh- however you like to consume stories, chances are some of your favorite characters are going to be the characters that you relate to the most, right? And so when I think of superheroes, I have two favorite superheroes. Growing up, I always loved Superman, Superman is one of my absolute favorites. People go, ah, Superman, like he has all the superpowers and he never gets hurt, but those are people who've never, never read a Superman comic and they don't know what they're talking about. Superman is one of the most relatable characters because yes, he has all of these powers, but he's also just a normal guy. Clark Kent is just this kind of normal, mild-mannered, nerdy dude, and I always related with Clark Kent, and so I loved Superman. My other favorite superhero has always been Spider-Man. Why? Guys, all right, there's something wrong in the world when Spider-Man gets that kind of cheer and Superman got crickets, okay? 1938, action comics number one, Superman is the superhero, everyone else is derivative. Anyway, what was I saying? Um, I love Spider-Man because I love Peter Parker, right? Because growing up, believe it or not, I was the nerdy kid in class with the glasses, right? I was Peter Parker, right? And so. And so I love Spider-Man because I saw myself in Peter Parker. I could relate with that character. And I loved the stories around that character. Well, tonight we're gonna to look at the story that you guys just saw play out. But we're gonna look at the true version of that story, right? You guys saw a silly dog version, but we're gonna look at the real story in the book of John, in John chapter 18. And what I want us to do is I want us to take a look at a few different characters. Because I think there's some characters in this story that we can relate to. Now, I wanna just kinda give you guys a little warning here because I think it's important. I think it can be dangerous if we read the Bible saying, who am I in this story? We go to the the story of David and Goliath and we go, I'm just like David, because I too can be courageous and fight the giant. That's not what David and Goliath is about. David and Goliath is about the fact that God can overcome anything and everything. It's about the power of God, not the bravery of David. Right? so, so I wanna give you that warning up front, but that being said, I think we can look at the story that we just saw play out and we can see similarities between ourselves and some of the characters, and I think it can help us understand this thing we call the gospel, okay? So that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna look at this story, we're gonna see similarities between ourselves and some of the characters. These aren't just fictional characters like Superman and Spider-Man. These are real people who really lived, who really did the things that we're about to read. But still, I think we can relate to many of the things that they said and that they did. In fact, I know we can because we do and say the same things. So we'll be in John chapter 18 tonight. John 18, we've been going through the book of John the whole week. And now we're finally caught up to the part of the story that's been playing out the trial of Jesus in John chapter 18. So just to set up where we are, we'll be starting in verse 28. Before this, Jesus has had his last supper with all of his disciples. He's told them what's about to happen, but they still don't get it. They still don't believe. Jesus goes up to the garden of Gethsemane to pray. He knows what's going to happen to him the next day. And while he's there praying to God and pleading, God, if if you can take this cup that I'm about to drink, if you can take this, this death that I'm about to die, if you can take it away from me, then please do. But if not, then your will be done. Because he trusts his father. And as he's praying, one of his disciples, or one of his former disciples, Judas, arrives at the garden along with um, some soldiers, and they take Jesus and they arrest him, and they take him down to the house of the high priest in, in, our, in our skits. That's fluffy, right? The high priest, the, the leader of the Pharisees, the leader of the, the Sadducees, leader of the religious authority at the time. And then from the high priest's house, they take him over to Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor. And we're going to see why they go from the Jewish authority, the religious authority, to the Roman authority, kind of the government authority here in the story. So we'll start in John chapter 18, verse 28. And they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. And it was early in the morning. And they themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. They weren't gonna go into this this Roman governor's um, place because if they did, then they couldn't eat the Passover, this religious ceremony that they were in the middle of. They did, so, uh, so they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So then Pilate, that's the Roman governor, went outside and said to them, what accusation do you bring against this man? Listen to their answer here. It's so interesting. They answered, if this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. So he goes, what are you accusing this man of doing? And what do they say? Look, if he wasn't doing bad things, we wouldn't have brought him to you. Well, that's not actually an accusation. Why? Because he hadn't actually done anything wrong. But they say it anyway. They say, if he was not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. And then Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. Pilate doesn't want anything to do with this. Listen to their answer. Then the Jews said to him, it is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. And this was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So they bring him out of the kind of Jewish courts and into the Roman courts. Why? Because they want one thing and one thing only for Jesus. They want the death sentence for Jesus. And so they come before Pilate and they say, Pilate, we need this man to be put to death. And Pilate goes, what what has he done wrong? And they go, well, he's done some things. But they don't actually say what they are. And then he goes, you take care of him. And they go, no, 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 because we can't legally give him the death penalty. You can. And he needs to be put to death. So then we'll see what happens here in verse 32. So Pilate enters his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, do you say this of your own accord or did others say it to you about me? And Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. So what have you done? And Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would, would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from this world. And then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose, I was born. And for this purpose, I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. And everyone who was of the truth listens to my voice. And here it is. Our theme verse for the week, what does Pilate respond? He says, Pilate answers him, what is truth? And after he said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. So Pilate knows that Jesus is innocent. He knows that Jesus Jesus has done nothing wrong, nothing to deserve the death penalty that the Jews are asking for. He says, I find no guilt in this man. And Pilate has an idea He he thinks that he's thought of a way that he can get out of having to say that Jesus is innocent, but also of having to put an innocent man to death. And so he thinks he found a way to get out of it, and so he says this. He says in verse 39, you have a custom that I should release one man to you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? And what do they cry out? They cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Barabbas, it says here, was a robber. In the book of Acts, it calls Barabbas a murderer. Even that word that's translated as robber in the the Bible that I'm using can also be translated as insurrectionist or terrorist. So Barabbas is a bad dude. He says, you want me to give you Jesus, who you call the king of the Jews? Should I give Jesus over to you? Should I let Jesus go or should I let Barabbas, this murderous terrorist robber, should I let him go? And they say, give us Barabbas, give us Barabbas. And so Pilate does what they ask. In verse one of chapter 19, we see this. Then Pilate took Jesus, and flogged him. They beat him. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they arrayed him in a purple robe. They're mocking him here. And they came up to him saying, hail the king of the Jews. And they struck him with their hands. And Pilate went out again to them and said, see, I am bringing him out, that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Pilate has him beaten and whipped and mocked hoping that maybe this will be enough that these people will say, okay, it's fine, give Jesus a break. And so Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said to them, behold the man. And when the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and crucify him for I find no guilt in him and the Jews answered him we have a law and according to that law he ought to die because he has made himself the son of God and Pilate heard this statement and he was even more afraid and he entered his headquarters again and he said to Jesus where are you from but Jesus gave him no answer and so Pilate said to him will you not speak to me do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you And Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, he who has delivered me over to you has the greater sin. Jesus says, Pilate, you have authority only because my Father in heaven gives you authority. The person who has the great sin here are the people who have delivered me to you and are shouting, crucify him outside the gates. And then we see this, it says in verse 12, from then on, Pilate sought to release Jesus, but the Jews cried out, if you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the stone pavement in Aramaic Gabatha. And now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. And he said, behold, your king. And they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. And Pilate said, shall I crucify your king? And the chief priest answered, we have no king but Caesar. And so he delivered him over to them to be crucified. So the story of Jesus' trial before Pontius Pilate. And I said at the beginning, there are gonna be characters in here, people in here, not fictional characters, real people in this story that we can relate to, real people in this story that if we're honest, we can see ourselves in them. The first is Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, the man who had the authority to set Jesus free, but who caved to the shouts and the cries Crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. He was given a choice between doing what he knew was right, a choice between doing what he knew was right and setting an innocent man free, or doing what was easy and folding over to the crowd. And what did Pilate choose? He chose the easy path. He chose the path to put less risk on himself. On some level, we can relate to that, but there's an even bigger picture here. You see, Pilate didn't just choose the easy path over the hard path. Pilate chose ease, comfort. He chose popularity with the people over Jesus himself. This morning, we talked about how all of us have things that we choose over Jesus, things that we choose over God, things that we worship instead of worshiping the God who made us to know and to love and to serve him. See, that's what Pilate was doing. He was sinning. He was choosing something else, in this case, his own safety, his own security, his own popularity, his own political aspirations. He was choosing those things over Jesus. But he wasn't the only one who was choosing something over Jesus there, was he? No, because the crowd outside, they were given a choice as well. On one hand, they could choose Jesus, this sinless man who had never done anything wrong, who had spent his whole life going around and healing and proclaiming the word of God, or they could choose Barabbas. Right? In the skit, Barabbas was that cat. This, this convicted criminal, this violent murderous man who deserved death so they had this choice to make jesus or barabbas the innocent spotless holy perfect christ or this sinner and what did the people choose they chose barabbas they chose barabbas and guys we make the same choice we make the same choice All of us do, because that choice is what sin is. Again, we talked about this this morning. We're given the choice between God and anything or everything else. And we don't choose God, not on our own, not by our nature. We choose anything and everything else. We trade the truth of God for a lie. We worship creation rather than the creator. And so in that sense, we can see ourselves in Pilate. We can see ourselves in that crowd outside the gate shouting, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. In a sense, you and I join them in that shout. We join them in the chant to crucify him because we choose everything else over him. But there's someone else in this story that we can relate to. Someone else where we can put ourselves in his shoes. Because you see, in a sense, in our sin, we're like Pilate and we're like the crowd choosing something else over Jesus. But in another sense, we're also like Barabbas. How are we like Barabbas? Well, Barabbas was a man who was there justly. See, Jesus was there unjustly. Jesus had done nothing wrong. Jesus did not deserve to be arrested. He did not deserve to be beaten. He did not deserve to be mocked. He did not deserve to be scorned. He did not deserve to be humiliated. He certainly did not deserve to be crucified. But Barabbas deserved all of those things. Again, here in the book of John, it calls him a robber. And we go, well, that's not that big of a deal. In Acts, Peter refers to him as a murderer. That word that's used for Roberts, it's also an insurrectionist, a terrorist. Barabbas is a man who is violent, a man who is vicious, a man who deserves punishment, and a man who was on his way to punishment. Barabbas deserved the punishment that he was facing. There were three crosses Being prepared to go up on the hill, to go up on Golgotha, to go up on the place of the the skull, to go up on the mountain, and to have three sinners nailed to them. Three crosses were prepared, three sinners were ready to go and die. But then at the last moment, someone takes Barabbas' place on that cross. He was a man who was condemned to death, a man who deserved to die because of his sins, because of his crimes. But then at the last moment, Barabbas hears that he is going free and that the innocent, spotless, sinless Lamb of God, Jesus Christ is going to take his place on that hillside nailed to that cross. And, guys, the incredible truth of the gospel is this every single one of us stands condemned. Every single one of us deserves the cross, just like Barabbas did. But just as Jesus literally took Barabbas's place on that cross. Jesus takes your place and he takes my place on that cross as well. In 2 Corinthians 5:21, scripture says that God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. In Galatians 3:13, it says that he redeemed us from the curse of the law, from from the curse of our shortcomings, from the punishment of our sin. How? By becoming a curse for us. In 1 Peter 2, 24, it says this, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed just as Barabbas deserved to go and to pay the penalty of his crimes by being killed on that cross. Every single one of us, we deserve to go and to pay the penalty of our sin, the wages of our sin that Romans 6.23 tells us is death, eternal death. We deserve that just as Barabbas deserved it. But just as Barabbas' place on that cross was taken by Jesus, our place on that cross, our place in the wrath of God is taken by Jesus. Because he went to the cross and died in our place. He took the death that we deserve, the wages of our sin, the righteous, holy wrath of God that we deserve because we have committed cosmic treason against the king of the universe. He took all of that on himself and he paid for it on the cross. We're not just Pilate. We're not just the crowd shouting crucify him. We are Barabbas. We are sinners who deserve punishment. But Jesus takes it for us takes it for us we can relate to Pilate we can relate to the crowd we can relate to Barabbas but there's one person in this story that we can't relate to one person in this story whose shoes don't fit us we're like Pilate we're like the crowd we're like Barabbas but we are not like Jesus we're not because see, he is righteous and we are unrighteous. He is holy and we are unholy. He is sinless and we are sinners. He deserves nothing but God's love and mercy and grace and we deserve nothing but God's wrath and his justice. We're like Barabbas and we're like Pilate and we're like the crowd, but we're not like Jesus. But the incredible truth of the gospel is that because of the gospel, because of what Jesus did and going and dying for us, while we're not like Jesus on our own, we can be like him. I read you a little bit of a verse from 2 Corinthians 5.21, but I didn't read you all of it. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, And the rest of that verse says this, that we might become the righteousness of God. See, so often when we talk about the gospel, when we talk about Jesus dying on the cross for us, we stop there. But did you notice the skit today didn't stop there? It didn't stop with with Theo just going to die. It didn't stop with Jesus dying on the cross because that's not where the story ends, is it? No, because three days later, three days after Jesus took your place and my place and Barabbas' place on that cross, three days later, what happened? He rose again. He rose again to new life. So that those of us who put our faith and trust in him, we're not just saved from the death that we deserve because of our sin, but we're given the life that he earned by his righteousness. See, through Jesus' death and his resurrection, he doesn't just save us from the punishment of our sin. He also saves us from the power of our sin. Jesus died to pay the penalty of our sin, but he rose again so that we could have new life in him so that we could be made new creatures, no longer dead in our sin, no longer trapped in the darkness, no longer enslaved to our wicked desires, no longer under our sin, but now new creatures with new life, a new life that is ours in Jesus. Romans chapter six puts it like this. In Romans six, starting in verse five, it says, if we have been united with him in a death like his, if we put our faith and our trust in him and our sins die on the cross with him, if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again and death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died to sin once and for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Guys, this is the gospel. This is what it is. It's that you are a sinner. You are a sinner. You've chosen things other than God. You've chosen things over God, just like Pilate did, just like the crowd did. Because of that, you stand condemned before a holy God. You deserve punishment. You deserve death, just like Barabbas. But Jesus Christ who lived the perfect life that you never could. He went and he died the death that you deserve. And then he rose again, that you might have new life in him, no longer defined by your sin, no longer trapped in your sin, no longer enslaved to your sin, but now with new life in Jesus, to be called the child of God, to have eternal life freed from the power of sin, from the punishment of sin, and one day, ultimately, from the presence of sin when we spend eternity with God in heaven. That is the gospel. You deserve death. He deserved life. He took your death, and he gives you the life that he has earned. If you put your faith and your trust in him, if you stop trying to make it on your own and you say, God, I'm a sinner. I trust in you. I believe that Jesus died for me. And now I want to live my life, not in the power of my flesh, but in the power of the spirit. I want new life in you from now through eternity. That's the gospel. Now, in just a second here, I'm going to pray. Jeb will come up. We'll we'll dismiss you guys um, in a bit. But But when we do, here's what I I want you to do. If you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus, maybe maybe you've prayed a prayer in the past, maybe you've been to camp before and you stood up when the guy asked you to stand up, but you're sitting there and you're going, man, I, I don't feel like I've ever really trusted in Christ to take my sins on the cross. I've never really looked at the fact that I deserve death and that he took it for me. And I wanna do that for the first time tonight. If that's you, then after we pray and after we dismiss, I just wanna encourage you to stay here. Stay here, talk to your counselors, talk to your teachers, ask them your questions, open up the scripture with them. Because guys, this gift of eternal life is offered freely this gift of Jesus going to the cross and taking the punishment of your sin and giving you new life through his resurrection, this is something that is available to you if you put your faith and your trust in him. So if that's you and you want to do that tonight, then when we dismiss, I want you to, to stay back. And I know that there are others of you who are sitting here and you go... I feel like I have put my faith in Jesus, my trust in Jesus. I I feel like I, I, I I do know him and I do seek to follow him, but I still feel like I'm a slave to sin. I still feel like I'm trapped in this sin, like I keep falling back into these old habits of sin. And I want that to change, I want that to stop. I I wanna start living this new life that you're talking about. I I wanna start following Christ with everything that I am. If that's you, even if you've already put your faith and trust in Christ, but you just want to turn towards him tonight. You're tired of living as if that wasn't true. You're tired of living as your old self when scripture says that your old self is dead and gone and the new you is one that is made in Christ Jesus. That's you, and you want to you live in light of who you've been made to be in Jesus. You feel like you're not doing it. Then when we dismiss, I want you to stay back too. I want you to talk to your counselors. I want you to ask your questions. I want you guys to spend time in here praying together. It's the most important thing going on tonight. It's going on right here. Let me pray for us, and then I think Jeb will come up and tell you guys what's next. Father, we thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would help us to see How we're like Pilate, how we choose everything else over you. God, I pray that you would help us to see how we're like Barabbas, how we deserve death because of our crimes, we deserve death because of our sin, we deserve your wrath, we deserve your justice poured out on us. And God, I would help, I pray that you would help us to see the beauty of your grace and the fact that while we deserve the cross, while we deserve death, while we deserve punishment. Because of Jesus dying in our place and rising again in our place, we can have new life in you. We can be freed from the penalty of our sin, but we can also be freed from the power of it God, I pray for the students here who have never put their faith and trust in you. I pray that tonight, by the working of your Holy Spirit, by the power of your Spirit, you would bring those dead souls to life. You would help them to see that the only way to the Father, the only way to God, is through Jesus Christ. Help them to put their faith and trust in Jesus, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection, in his sacrifice and victory on their behalf. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for this most precious truth, the truth of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.